Welcome to the Creative South Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Frostholm. This week, I'm talking with designer and illustrator Brittany Barnhart. Brittany and I talk about how attending Weapons of Mass Creation while in college helped solidify her desire to be a designer, the importance of remaining curious and learning new things, dealing with a nightmare client and the lessons she learned, and more, all right after this. It's no secret that I love Jack Prince. They're a longtime sponsor of the podcast and Creative South. Plus, they do great work. Whether they're making our pop-up displays and tablecloths or printing notebooks, Jack Prince is always there when we need them. This year, they are printing new Creative South t-shirts for me and the podcast stickers that have a coupon code on the back that gives you a great discount on all of their products just in time for Creative South. Speaking of stickers, Jack Prince will print any kind, shape, size, or stock, including full-color stickers with full-color liner prints for you to use as product labels, promotions, bumper stickers, hang tags, business cards, and more. Right now, you can get 500 3x3-inch die-cut stickers starting at $149. Plus, Jack Prince is giving Creative South Podcast listeners 15% off all orders over $25 when you use promo code SOUTH15OFF at checkout. Visit jackprince.com for your next order of stickers, prints, or whatever you need today. If you like the Creative South Podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Every dollar helps us cover hosting costs, upgrade equipment, and keep the podcast going. With options starting at just $1 per month, you can help support the podcast and even wind up with some cool Creative South Podcast swag. When you become a Creative South patron, you'll get access to exciting Creative South news before anyone else. A shout out on the podcast thanking you for your support. Creative South Podcast stickers and t-shirts. So, please help support the podcast by becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash creative south. Brittany, thanks for joining me tonight. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So let's let's dive in from the beginning and talk about where did you grow up? So I grew up in Ypsilanti, Michigan, which is near um, Ann Arbor, about 20 minutes from Ann Arbor and then 40 minutes from Detroit. So I'm pretty close to all the big hubs here in Michigan. So solidly in the Midwest. Oh, yeah. Very solidly in the Midwest. Uh, if you know Jordan Wong, he always makes fun of my accent. Uh, every single time I see him, he's like, say that word. I want to hear that Michigander accent. I'm just like, cool. Thanks, man. <laughs> I mean, at least you don't have the accent of the UP. <laughs> yes, I definitely do not have that. Nothing wrong with it, I guess, but I don't have it. <laughs> hey, you know, it took me years to uh, tone down my Minnesota, Minnesota accent. Oh, yeah? Uh, lots, lots of Yashur, you betches and stuff. <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can dive right into it really quick, you know. It's, <laughs> it's just Southern Canadian. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you, yeah, I mean, if, it's so funny because I've, I've lived in so many different places. Like, I've... I've at this point in my life, I've lived in the South longer than anywhere else, but wow. I grew up in the Midwest and then, you know, originally from the Chicago area. So I have like all of these different accents that I have specific words that I say that sound mm. like them, like where that is. And it's people just That's look awful. at me. People look at me really <laughs> weird, especially if I've been drinking and just, right. that that pronunciation and enunciation of the different regions starts to come out. 
Well, I look forward to that uh, at Creative South. So. Yes. It, it, <laughs> if I get drunk, my accent also gets drunk and people get really confused. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when you were growing up, what type of kid were you? Uh, I was a very quiet child. I mean, I'm still a very introverted person. Mm. Um, so I read a lot. Uh, I wasn't much of a creative. I wasn't, I didn't draw a lot or take the initiative to, uh, do anything creative. So I just, you know, had my coloring books with all the Disney princesses and colored in the lines, just made everything look beautiful. Um, <laughs> read a lot, hung out with, you know, the animals that my parents had at our uh, house. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I usually just really kept to myself. I had a couple of close friends, which still remains true to this day. Um, and just really, I enjoyed uh, the time by myself, surprisingly enough. <laughs> gotcha. So you weren't overly artsy growing up. Uh, I There's a term that one of my professors used in college, but he talked about being a learned creative. So like I, I've never really seen myself as being a natural born creative. It was just something that I learned to do, um, you know, processes and all that good stuff. Gotcha. So when, when you were going through high school, did you start taking art classes at that point or were they just kind of electives that everyone, Um, at that point. So when I was in high school, my dad ended up going to get, so he works at Ford. So at the Mm. time when I was in high school, he was going to get his associate in web design. So he wouldn't have to work at Ford anymore. Mm. Um, and so I was watching him through, through, go through college and I'd like sit in the basement to hang out with him because he was so busy working a full-time job and going to school full-time and I'd watch him do all this coding. And so I'd see both sides of the screen where he'd like, type some code and then a color would pop up or he typed some code and something would get formatted. And that fascinated me. Uh, so I would just like watch over his shoulder all the time. And I was like, man, this is amazing. Like to be able to type something and make something like it, it was just seems so crazy to me. Um, and so they had uh, computer graphics, which are the, you know, common electives uh, <laughs> in high school. And I took those and, you know, learned how to use GIMP and, did my fair share of stupid twilight posters and beautiful type that was highlighted, uh, which is really embarrassing to go back and see the things that I was so proud of. Uh, but it was fun. And I had a, uh, high school instructor who really pushed me cause he was like, you know, I, I see that you have this talent and this knack for it, that you enjoy this. So he like really took the time to push me farther than, you know, other students. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at that point, I was just all computer graphics. I never really took an art class. Um, I had a bad experience in an art class in high school where my instructor pretended like we were children. And so I was just like, if you're talking to me as if I'm a child, I'm really not going to enjoy this class. And so I kind of just mentally checked out of that. Yeah, Um, I found even children don't really respond well to (laughs) if you talk to them like they're a child. Yes. Uh, So she went through this whole spiel one day where she had this brush and she was like, this is Mr. Brush. You do not pat down his hair. You have to make sure he looks beautiful all the time. Yes. This is the, you know, the bulging eyes is how I felt. And so I never skipped class, but that was the one that I like didn't mind skipping. So I was like, but but you mentally skipped class a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I did. Um, so honestly it was just that computer graphics class that I took both of them, uh, that really pushed me and watching my dad that pushed me into doing design. Gotcha. When you got out of high school, what'd you end up doing? 
So uh, senior year was like such a weird year trying to figure out like, I mean, it's a weird year for everybody. We're trying to figure out what the hell you want to do with your life. Sure. Um, and so uh, I was applying to scholarships. Like I am such a introvert and like I, I've always loved my family. We're all very close to each other. Um, and so I didn't want to move. I didn't, I didn't like the idea of uprooting my life to go to a university two hours away. Just like, it didn't feel good. Like I don't thrive in that, um, scenario. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up applying for a bunch of scholarships and I actually got a full ride to the community college that is here locally. And so I ended up going there and for some reason, like I was going to choose web design, but then I saw graphic design and I was like, that sounds interesting. Let's cross my fingers and hope it works. Cause we're only paying for two years. Uh, <laughs> and the first semester I was smitten. Uh, and honestly, the first semester was when, uh, one of my instructors took me to weapons of mass creation. Mm -hmm. She took a few mm -hmm. students and drove us down to Cleveland. And like that moment was such a like big moment for me. And that just like, seeing all the professionals talk about what they're passionate about. I was like, this is me. This is what I love. Um, so yeah. So when you took that trip down to weapons, did you have an opportunity to connect with people who were in the industry already and kind of, you know, form bonds with them to get a figure out things a little more of what you wanted to do? Um, not really. I'm mostly stuck with the class being an introvert. It's always been hard for me to just start random conversations unless I'm in that mood. Sure. And so I stuck with my classmates. Um, I remember meeting James White and I was just like, so giddy. I was like, Oh my God, I just met James White. Uh, and we all took <laughs> photos with him. Like I felt like such a fan girl. I mean, I still do to this day for like some designers that I love. Um, but yeah, I just, I really explored the area and really paid attention that I think that was the first time I met Jeff Finley and like mm -hmm. caught him. I was like, Oh my God, this is Jeff Finley. Like I'm meeting him. Uh, and so it was a very like big moment just to meet these people that I admired, but I didn't have like the guts, uh, just so to speak, uh, to actually build those relationships or start building those relationships. Gotcha. When, when you got back from college, not back from college, back from the <laughs> conference, yeah. Um, what did, did you have kind of a new perspective on what you were learning and, or, or did it just really cement what you wanted to do further? It, it definitely for both, it did both for me. Um, and so I remember getting back and I was just so amazed. I was like, wow, I just like weapons itself just showed me what was possible with design. And then it made me think of like, well, what else do they not show? Like what else mm -hmm. is possible with design? And so it definitely opened a lot of doors for me because just going to uh, the community college, it was all technical. So there wasn't any sure. like conceptual development. Like they teach you the skills so you can get out and go to the world and make money, which I loved. Like just teach me what I have to know. So I can get the hell out and do what I need to do to make money. Like I've always been that type of person. Uh, and so coming back from weapons, I was like, wow, there's so much possible. And it definitely like it, like created this fire in me of like, just wanting to pursue, like, I wanted to figure out what worked for me. Like I wanted to figure out what kind of, uh, avenue I wanted to go down for design. So. Gotcha. So yeah. how long did it take you to figure that out? Uh, so I know I, it's a very leading question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm still figuring that out. I honestly think 
I've always been a firm believer that like, as I grow, my goals and wants are going to change. And so right now I feel good about what I'm doing, but I think I'm still working towards having this quote unquote feeling of accomplishing what I think works for me. Mm -hmm. But then even at that moment, I don't think I'm going to be fulfilled, you know? So I'm always going to be searching for that, uh, to learn something new, to figure out what actually fits. And then maybe I'll get tired of it and then move on to the next thing. So just like, I love all aspects of it. Gotcha. So you, you get out of college I'm going to back up here. Um, you, you get out of college. What do you end up doing right away? Um, so getting out of college, I was nervous to get a job because, uh, in Ipsy and in Arbor there, there are a lot of design studios, but they weren't hiring at the time. And so like I applied for a lot of jobs and, um, my, the program like instructor or the woman who ran the program knew of a print shop that I uh, was hiring. And so she's like, do you want me to call them? I can recommend you. I was like, Oh my God, thank you. Like a recommendation from you would mean the world to me. And so within a couple of days I had an interview at the print shop. And then within the day I had a full-time job at the print shop. And so within probably two weeks of graduating, I was working at a print shop full time. So when you got over there, were you doing primarily pre-press work or what, what were you doing? So, um, how they ran the shop was anybody that they hired new had to be the customer service representative because that was such the, that was the hub for the print shop. So it was just like when people called in orders, I would answer all the phones, I would answer all their questions. And it was so important for me to figure out how to write up the jobs to effectively communicate how things need to be done for the pre-press technicians. Um, but not to do my own horn, but I've always been a fast learner. Uh, and I just, I love a fast pace. Like I just, I always want to learn and how to do more. Um, so very quickly it, it was typical for the owner to keep the new hiree in the, that position for a year, but within like four months, he was like, uh, you can just move back to pre-press now, uh, because like you've got this covered. Um, and so after that, I moved back to pre-press, learned all that stuff. And then, uh, eventually he was teaching me how to run the press and do all like the bookkeeping. Um, <laughs> so I like, I, I just wanted to learn how to do everything. Uh, and so once I left it, it came down to like, I could run the shop if I wanted to. And that was a very, that's still an awesome feeling, you know? Mm-hmm. So what, what made you decide to leave at that point? Um, I was almost two years in. Um, and so I think it was like probably March of that year, but before I decided to leave and honestly, it was, um, I met Lenny Terenzi. And so, uh, we became really great friends over social media. I had, uh, recently I'm backtracking a little bit, but I recently met him cause I had, um, broken up with an ex that I was with for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was chatting with him and I was just doing all this drawing and just like having so much time myself. And I think he was kind of the first one to put the idea in my head of just like doing more instead of just being a pre-press technician. Sure. Um, and then after a while, you know, I'd hang out with some friends and they'd be like, you know, what did you do this week? And I would just sit there and think, and I just couldn't remember what I did. And so at that point, I was thinking I'm 22 years old and I don't remember what I did this week. And I hate my job. I was like, <laughs> just, it got to be the same, you know, within the month I'd pull up the same job four or five different times. And so it just got so old to me. And I was like, I'm still so young. Like I have so much, like I want to learn. I don't want to be stuck in this job that I'm going to hate forever. Um, 
And so after talking to Lenny and uh, I was still living with my parents at that time, uh, and they're like, you know what, just do it. Just go off on your own, just jump ship. And, uh, so it was, a like months and months of figuring out if that was the best decision for me. Um, but at the end of the day, I was like, I'm not going to grow here. I'm going to be the same person for forever. If I stay here, you're, you're feeling stagnated and you decide to step out on your own at that point. Had you, did you really have any clients or were you stepping out into complete unknown and having to build from scratch? Uh, I had nothing. I, um, was just getting into the community. Uh, thank, thank God for like Lenny and, uh, weapons of mass creation, um, had no website, no business name, no logo, no clients, uh, no idea of how to run a business. But I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to figure out how this works. Uh, because I know that if I set my mind to something, I can do that thing. Um, so yeah, I totally jumped ship into a very, very dark hole. (laughs) At at that point being, being the introvert Mm -hmm. and not having a safety net. I mean, thankfully you have at at that point have the luxury of you've got a place to live because you've got your parents and all that. So you're not going to be homeless, but how do you start finding clients? How do you start building that business without having already something in anything in the works? Mm. So when I left, um, I quit, (laughs) I quit my job and the next day I blew it on a creative self. Um, and so that was a really great opportunity for me to cement myself as, um, you know, a freelancer. And I was able to meet a lot of people. And honestly, the the only way I was able to start was literally because I knew our community. They were so great and they still are to this day. And that's why I love it so much. Um, they would, you know, people would get these jobs and they'd be like, you know what, like I can't take this on, but I know somebody great who can take care of you. And they would refer that person to me. And so my first couple of clients ended up being referrals from really great friends. And, uh, along the way, I just got a lot of help. Um, and after creative South, I ended up working on my logo and within a month I had my website and logo done up and running. Um, <laughs> and there was a lot of really stupid Craigslist, uh, things and, <laughs> You know, everybody goes through it. I'm just like, I had to make money. Like, I was smart enough while I was working full time that I saved all the money that I didn't have to spend. Um, sure. And so I had that type of safety net, of course, and living with my parents. Um, so it was just honestly a lot of networking. I went to a lot of really cheesy networking events locally and got a couple logo jobs. And um, I think I got down like, I could go to a networking event and at least get a job from it. So I was like, well, shoot, if I go network with somebody and, you know, I'm bound to get at least like maybe two clients a month at least. Um, And so I just did that for a while until I really figured out what I was doing. How as an introvert, when you go to these networking events, are you comfortable to get out and talk to strangers and, Put yourself in that position, which is a very, which is a very vulnerable position, especially when you're coming into it blind and as a novice without that experience to give you confidence. Mm -hmm. 
Um, it was terrible. I hated every second of it. (laughs) (laughs) It just, um, but I really focused on and, you know, Lenny's been such a, I'll probably mention him a lot, but he's been such a big part of me growing as a designer and business owner. Um, but I, every event that I went to, I really focused on getting to know that person. And so, um, at the end of a meetup, they'd be like, man, she asked me all these questions and, you know, I, I knew so much about their business and I was comfortable asking them questions about themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if they came back and, you know, I'd give like, say, oh, I'm a designer, blah, blah, blah. I'm just so interested in what you do. And so I just showed interest in who they were as people. And that was how I was building that relationship. So instead of just like handing out business cards and be like, hire me, I'm a designer. I need work. Um, it was more of like, tell me about yourself. I want to learn about what you do, what you're passionate about. Um, and that's how, that's how I survived all those networking meetups. <laughs> so, so you're not going in trying to cold call. You're going in trying to learn more about things, build, build that trust. Mm-hmm. And then hoping that eventually something comes from that, but not with the intention of I'm going to go in and talk to them and I'm going to build this and I'm going to get this job. Correct. Uh, it was really important for me to do that because I've always found, and like there's, you know, there can be a correct way to do cold calling or cold emailing. But for me, I thought that if I could get to know this person and take 10 minutes to, you know, hear what they're passionate about and what, you know, they do with their life, they're going to remember that conversation instead of me walking up to them and be like, oh, I'm a designer, you know, I should work with you or you should hire me. Like they're going to remember, you know, uh, you know, meeting other people, like I had this great conversation with this girl named Brittany and, you know, this is what we talked about. Oh, you need a designer. Maybe you should talk to her. Um, and so, <laughs> I, you know, you something cheesy like that. Uh, but I just found that it was more important to, um, establish those relationships because they'd remember me more than just a person handing out a business card. Sure. As you know, as you develop these relationships and things start to grow, Mm-hmm. You, do you find that your interests in what you're doing start to diverge and you get more of a focus on a certain type of thing that you want to work on? No. <laughs> no? Um, I mean, kind of. Um, uh, at this point, I've done a lot of like logo projects, but I mean, I'm currently trying to really um, dive into the strategy behind it. And so that's what's really fascinating me now um, Mm -hmm. is really getting into clients' heads and asking all these questions and really figuring out logos at work instead of just a logo. Um, And so I've always had a fascination with branding because it's just, it can be so beautifully done. Um, And that's what I started doing because I had a professor in college who was just like, Branding is the bread and butter of design. If you can have a couple like branding projects, like you're good to go. Uh, and so I kind of took that with me and did a lot of branding, but I, re- I do truly enjoy it. Um, so that's kind of been a consistent theme since uh, Jump Ship. Sure. And the reason I asked that is there was a couple of years back where you you had a heavy focus on doing a lot of hand lettering stuff and you started yeah. take you started and I'm blanking on the name of the program, but you started doing a program that I think was in Detroit, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, um, or wherever it was. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so talk talk a little bit more about that. How did that come about? What did what did that teach you aside from obviously hand lettering and all? right? Um, 
So yeah, I had a focus on hand lettering because just like hand lettering was the new big thing. Uh, <laughs> and of course, like it had its moment. I mean, it's still beautifully done. It'll never go out of style. Um, but it was just so fascinating because I've always been a technical person, like not growing up as a creative kid. Mm-hmm. It always bothered me if things weren't straight and aligned and things looked perfect. You know, the perfectionist in me coming out. Um, and so lettering was kind of a way to learn how to make letters perfect in a way. Um, and so, you know, I took workshops and did a lot of um, practicing myself. Um, and I still apply those skills to this day. Um but yeah, it was just, it was a lot of fun to learn how to create something with my own hands that could look like a typeface. <laughs> sure. I mean, and, and part of the reason I asked about that and, and that focus on that is because you, you, you come from that technical background that you learned in community college and all that. And you, and you said you never really learned concepting and all, but with that, you've, yeah. there's a very technical aspect to it. But you've got to have this idea of this direction that you want to take things and be consistent with it. How did you grow your concepting skills to be able to apply that? Um, Honestly, it's just been a lot of work. It's been a lot of um, mental work, honestly. Uh, Doing concept development has always been really hard for me because I always want to shut ideas out immediately. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Like, mm. no, we're doing that. And so it's been a lot of work over the past, you know, four or five years of just like, well, maybe it is dumb, but how about we listen to this idea and just flush it out just to try it out. Um, and so it's really been a mental game for me is just figuring out how to be conceptual. And the more that I dive into it, the more that I love it. I just like, drawing and sketching and really diving into the research behind pieces and, you know, doing all this, you know, mood boards. And I just, I love it so much because you can dive into it and actually make something that means something to somebody. Um, and so it's just been a lot of mental work to actually get pushed past my technical aspect of it and really like dive into the concepts. Gotcha. With, with, with that diving in the concepts, does that help spark the, I don't know what, I guess kind of children's book style illustrations that you were doing for a while. Uh, I think so. I think that was such a way for me to play because I've, I've always, and that's why, you know, my business is named just curious. It's just, I love curiosity. I love the feeling of being whimsical. Um, and children's books have always been, have always held that feeling for me. And so whenever I was, you know, those practice illustrations a couple years ago, I wanted to emulate that. I wanted to feel whimsical or, you know, elated when I looked at this piece. Um, so definitely it was a lot of pushing through to have that feeling to it. So. <laughs> sure. As, as, as you've grown, cause I mean, I got to put this out there cause you're still very young. I mean, you're 24, 25. <laughs> yeah. I'm turning 25 in August. So I'm okay. 24. Yeah. yeah. So you know, this is, this has all been very rapid succession that <laughs> this has happened to you. And I mean, in, in the terms of someone's lifespan, that's, yeah. you know, a very compressed time frame to mm-hmm. go from, you know, college to working pre-press to deciding to make a leap out on their own, yeah. um, to, you know, 
applying yourself to different facets of design and illustration and things like that of, and not necessarily a linear progression. Right. Um, and, 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 and you, I think you touched on it when you said, you know, the name of your company is just curious. What is it about those different aspects that at any given time spark your curiosity over something else? Um, goodness. I think it's just, um, what always sparks the curiosity is just learning something new. And that's why, you know, there's all these courses out there that'll tell you, you know, find your niche, you know, find that ideal client that you want to work with, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and uh, that works for a lot of people, but I've always found that I don't necessarily have a particular client. I have an idea of what they are, but I don't care about what they do. Cause if I love working one-on-one with somebody to learn about what they do, like if I can learn a new skill and learn about like so, what somebody's passionate about, like that sparks the curiosity in me. Cause it's just like, Oh, you mentioned that thing. I could do all this research. And then I'm like reading this long ass Wikipedia page and just <laughs> learning so much stuff. Um, and so honestly, it's just like the passion and the curiosity just, ignite when I meet really passionate people. At, at this point, how do you pick projects that seem interesting to you that you want to work on? Ooh, good question. Versus just taking, um, and, and everybody still does this, even if they say that they don't, <laughs> people still take jobs that are, right. they're not your favorite thing and they're just for money. But yeah. so, some are bad enough where you're like, no, no, there's no way. <laughs> So, so those ones that you're really passionate about versus the paycheck job, yep. how are you picking those? I think a lot of it, um, I pick those. I always have, uh, like an initial call to figure out who they are and what they want. And, you know, as you grow as a designer, you develop those red flags. And if I can have a conversation with somebody and they're really easy to talk to and we can joke and laugh with each other mm-hmm. and it's not pulling teeth uh, to get information out of them, I usually work with them. Because um, I've always just found if, if you're easy to communicate with and you know how I work and we can joke around and have a great time but still be professional, we're going to work just fine. So, <coughs> Excuse me. As you're you're growing the business, mm-hmm. one of the inevitable things that happens is you get a bad client. Yes. Who, for whatever reason, maybe the red flags go up and you don't listen to it, or the red flags just don't go up when when you talk to them. How do you how do you deal with that? Um. Do you want to know what I did before? Or do you want to know what I would do now? <laughs> Both, actually, because, you know, I think there's lessons to be learned from what you did before versus what you right. would do now. So to, what I would do now is a lot different than what I would do before. Um, and so as I grow in a business, I realize that there are certain things that I need to take care of in the beginning in order to make sure a project goes smoothly. Mm. Um And that always comes with, after every single project, I send out a questionnaire of how I did. And then I revise it myself to, you know, pinpoint, I could have done this better. Let's, you know, focus on doing that better next time. Um, I got a better contract in place, uh, which I had one before. But I, like, you know, after this whole debacle, I ended up hiring a lawyer and he wrote my, rewrote my contract. Um, And so after that whole situation, I just... 
I really laid down the law. I feel like I, it was fine before, but, uh, there's certain steps that you take after that happens to you to make sure it doesn't happen again. And so it's just always like having a very hard wall up and then it comes down. Sure. Well, to, to, to back up a little bit, let, let's, without naming names and getting too far into the weeds on the details, kind of explain yeah. what happened to you. Cause this was, I mean, by no means was it your first bad experience, but it was your first. And by any standards, it was a really bad experience. Yeah. Uh, it was horrible. Um, I wouldn't wish on anybody. Um, so my boyfriend that I live with was, uh, started working with a new brewery. Um, and after a couple months he was just like, you know what? They need new branding. Like they don't like what they have right now. So I was like, awesome. I'm so excited. Um, and so had a meeting with them. Everything was great. Uh, we worked on the branding together and they just loved it. Like every single time I met with them, like they had nothing but great things to say. And, uh, after that they needed a website. So I started working on the website, you know, contracts, everything were in place. I was getting payments. Um, and then after that, they still wanted to keep me on. So we decided to do a retainer. So every month I do a certain amount of work, they'd get work for me. Um, and I think kind of where I fell off was I got too passionate about it because it was, uh, one of my first bigger clients and I was mm-hmm. like, Oh my God, this brewery wants to work with me. I was so, so proud of that work that I did for them. Like that is still to this day, my favorite logo that I've ever done. Um, and I don't have it on my website and I probably won't have it for a very long time. Um, and so my boyfriend worked with them and we we're like, it was great. Cause I, you know, Kuma and I uh, are a great team. And so we can be in a relationship, but still work together and effectively communicate and brainstorm. And, you know, we brought the owners in and had all these great ideas. Um, they opened and they had unrealistic ex- expectations of how much money they would make when they opened, sure. you know, how the brewery, there was lots of costs and they thought that they'd make it back immediately, which is not possible. No, that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen, especially in a brewery with no food. Like if you're, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so what ends up happening is they end up slowing, like they have to break up their payments. So they pay half in the beginning, half at the end. And I'm like, you know what? I got it. I totally understand. Um, and then after a while, it becomes evident that they're having troubles paying me. And so I set up a meeting with the owner. I was like, you know what? Let's talk about this. Let's, you know, lower my retainer, figure out what will work for you guys. I still want you guys to be successful and have great design, but I understand you can't pay this amount every month. Uh, I was driving there one morning and I got a phone call and, uh, the owner said, I'm not paying you anymore. You can keep calling, but I will not pay you anything and hung up on me. Um, and so I was in rush hour traffic heading to, uh, Ann Arbor that morning, uh, and just furious. I just, this raw anger just like filled my stomach. And I was like, I cannot believe this is happening to me. Like, how can you just cut somebody off and not talk to them when I'm literally going to you to talk about how to make this work for you? Um, And so my boyfriend had been there that morning. So he was working while this was happening. And so I, I call him on my way back home and I was like, you need to get another job because they're trying to fuck me over. They're not paying me. And he was like, (laughs) cool. Uh, so this is fun. And the whole day they never acted as if anything happened. Um, and so, (laughs) Oh God. Uh, after that things just kind of spiraled out of control. Um, 
I sent them a bunch of letters saying, you need to pay me by this day. Uh, I took down their website, uh, which, you know, everybody comes back to me even to this day. So I took it down and said that this website's down until they decide to pay their designer. I talked to Lenny and I was like, I don't know what to do. I, this is such a, I'm so blindsided. I, I don't sure. know how to handle the situation. And so what started it was I posted on Facebook, not naming any names that I didn't want anybody to know. I was like, this client's not, a client is not paying me. What would you do in this scenario? Uh, and somebody named the business and it, in a matter of hours, the whole community just backed me up and went to this, you know, their Facebook page and all their reviews. And I watched their five star rating go down to like 1.5 stars on Facebook. I had people emailing them and calling them and, you know, saying like, you need to pay Brittany, like, you know, she did the work you need to pay up for it. Um, and then after that, it just kept spiraling even deeper out of control. Um, somebody found out who worked with the newspaper, they interviewed the brewery, you know, another article or another business in Detroit that was a newspaper, they found out about it. So there's like all of these articles that were like coming out and they were interviewing them. I refuse to talk to anybody because I was like, you know what, I'm going to be professional. It is not the time and place to answer these questions. I, my only goal is to actually talk to the business and figure out what's happening. Sure. Um, and so I didn't talk to any newspapers and a day later, Oh God, it's still painful to talk about. Um, a day later, an article came out and they had interviewed the owner and he called me a young 22 year old girl who didn't know how the working world worked. He said, I would never get any business anymore after that. He said, I went crazy on them and that I refused to talk to them. Um, and so he made all of these claims that were so wildly untrue. Um, and my boyfriend, uh, because he knew, he saw this whole thing happen, like right in front of him. He's like, fuck this. I'm not working with them anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so he ended up quitting. Um, and yeah, it was, um, that was a really hard time to go through. Like, And even to this day, thinking back, I think it caused a lot more damage than I'm comfortable with even admitting, just mentally. Sure. Um, because... I, I never expected that to spiral so far out. Like I was getting text messages and emails from people literally like all around the world. I got an email from somebody in Australia who had heard about it and they're like, <laughs> yeah, like it's this whole thread on Reddit and it's here and it's here and it's here. And I'm just like, what is happening? Like overnight people were contacting me and be like, you know what? We got your back. Um, and I, it was amazing to see, like to see the people that you haven't talked to in a while or that you have talked to, like come around and like support you and like help you out in a shitty time. It was incredible. Um, but after that, I really shut down personally. So. Gotcha. You know, and I, and I know cause we're friends that, that, that wasn't just a, I shut down for a couple of weeks until things blew over. It was a really prolonged mm -hmm. beyond shutdown. You, you were depressed. Yes, I was. Um, yeah, it was, I didn't, I mean, even now it's just thinking back to how it happened. Like, Oh, I'm going to tear up. Um, like there were days when Kumu would go to work and I would just like lay in bed and cry. Mm -hmm. Um, 
it's just really hard to start your career and be so young and in the blink of an eye worry that it's not going to be there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's just like, man, I took all this time to be this thing. And I love this. Like I love design, but like, what if now, what if it's over? Like, even though I knew it wasn't, there was still that inkling of fear that it would be. Um, and so I really like, I, yeah, I don't, I wasn't, I, you know, I didn't get a doctor saying that I was depressed, but I knew I was, um, it took a really long time to get out of it. Um, even after that I landed another client and I was just, I was so happy to have the work and I was like, Oh my God, somebody's paying me. Uh, (laughs) You know, I just, I put all of myself into it. Um, but I ended up working so much that I crashed and I got really depressed and there would go weeks when I just felt like, you know, nothing mattered and what was the point of life and like never, never ever suicidal or anything. But I just, I didn't want to get out of bed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I was just like, but what is the point? Why am I here? What is the point of me? Um, and so then a couple of weeks would go by, then I'd be fine again. Like we could be like, Oh my God, I'm feeling great. It's finally over. And then I'd crash again and it happened again. Mm-hmm. And so kind of like, I think the hardest that I crashed honestly was a couple months after that happened. I took this big trip to Bali with my friends. Um, and we were there gone for two weeks and it was amazing. I never felt so relaxed and I finally felt at peace with everything. And I came mm-hmm. back and there's just so much that like, I think that I just completely closed off and didn't even deal with emotionally that I crashed so hard. Like wasn't answering my email for a couple days, which is really rare for me. Uh, didn't want to talk to anybody, just like crying the whole time. Um, and that's when, you know, Lenny really pushed me. He's like, you need to go see a therapist. And so, uh, I ended up going to see a therapist for a while and still there, like it was fine for the time being. Um, but I honestly haven't felt fine until this year. Um, and the only reason why I feel fine is because I started uh, an antidepressant, which I'm on the lowest dosage. Um, because it was just, I was still crashing so hard and Mm -hmm. I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't control myself. Like I would just go through these feelings and emotions and just ask like, why, why, what is the point of anything? And Lenny's like, you need to go see somebody. You can't live your life like this. He's like, you're 24 you need to, you, even if it's just for a little while, you need something to help you get back on track. So yeah, it was, um, it was really hard. I mean, it still is, but yeah. So this, this whole episode has severely eroded your confidence Mm -hmm. and taken that away from you. How have you, uh, aside from going to a therapist and getting on an antidepressant to help, you know, mm-hmm. kind of manage the chemical side of things, mm-hmm. how have you started rebuilding yourself? Um, after that happened, honestly, like since that's happened, it's taken me this much time to rebuild myself or to even feel okay with what I'm doing, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, it feels really sad to say, but it's true. Um, and so after that happened, I landed a client and I just, I, she helped me really gain my footing. And so like she would get, I had a lot of responsibility. And so I had the ability to learn more about web design and, you know, branding design and working with an agency. Like it wasn't great work. It was just, it was, uh, design for an agency who did marketing for physicians. Mm -hmm. Uh, So nothing crazy, nothing 
uh, great, but it was a ability for me to, it was easy. Like it was technical for me. And so it was easy to be like, Oh, I do know these things. I do know these skills. I do know how to communicate effectively. Like it, it took some time working through with her of just realizing I do know what I'm doing. Like I wasn't in the wrong in that situation. I did took all the right steps that I could have taken. But unfortunately, like some people are just honestly really shitty. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And so through that, it really helped me. And then honestly, um, a few close friends of mine and uh, Akuma really helped me get through it. My parents, um, it was just a lot of talking, like having these unfiltered talks. Like there'd come a time when I you know, we'd just be sitting on the couch and Kuma would be like, well, what's wrong? And I was like, no judgment. Just let me say what's on my mind. And like, it was just through all of these conversations where like, he's like, well, you're telling yourself the story. Let's poke some holes in it because I know this and this and this to not be true. Mm. Um, so it was just diving into work and really like telling myself I'm capable of these things and the help of, you know, a few close people to really help me gain that confidence back. So, you know, we, we, at the beginning of, of that, we talked about how you would do it now. Yes. If, if, if you were put in a similar situation, mm-hmm. how would you do that? Um, I think depending on the amount of money it was, I would just walk away. I I think it would be very triggering for me personally. I don't think I'd recommend anybody else to do that. Um, But I wouldn't want anything horrible to happen again. And I wouldn't want to have to go through those feelings and emotions of, you know, what if this is the end? Uh, And so if it, for a small amount of money, I'd be like, all right, deuces, bye. If this is going to, how you're, how you're going to be, then we're done. Um, And I probably would just leave it as is. What's, what's that dollar figure for you? I'm curious. You can give a ballpark range. You don't have to give like exact, but I mean, are we talking like a few hundred dollars or are we talking a few thousand dollars? Probably under a thousand. Under a thousand. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because last time it was almost $2,000 mm-hmm. and after a while I was like, you know, after that happened, it was hard to find a lawyer. Mm-hmm. It, like, it's just shocking to me. Like, I, I found this lawyer, but he took forever to do the thing that I wanted. And just like, there's this, all this horrible energy of just like, I'm trying to hire this person to do this thing that they're good at, but I can't get a hold of them. Like, what the hell? Like, what is, I just, I just want to stop this feeling. Um, and so I, I don't care to deal with that again. Uh, so if it was under a thousand dollars, I probably would just walk away. That's a reasonable figure. I, that's probably yeah. where my cutoff line would be. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, even at that point, the lawyer fees are so absorbent that and like, that's why I said it. Yeah. I mean, even under two grand, if depending on the lawyer that you can find the, their fees just to help you out for an hour, mm-hmm. like, which I totally respect their time and they've gone to school and I want to pay for their service. But sometimes like under $2,000, it might not even be worth it then, which is really sad to say. Um, but it's just, it's hard. It just depends on how much fire you have to actually get that money or how pissed off you are at the person to get that money back. Uh, but yeah, it's hard. You know, one of the things that I know you've, when you, when you talk in the past tense about things, 
you very much had your identity wrapped up in your work. Mm. How have you started to separate that where, I mean, it's, it's one thing to say I'm a designer and da, 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 but mm. to be passionate about the projects that you're working on, but not be emotionally invested if something goes wrong. How have you started to work on distancing yourself that way? Oh, that's such a good question. Yeah. After that happened, I realized how emotionally invested I was. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, it's just, it's so bad for me. I mean, it's bad for anybody. Um, and so it's been a very, very long process. And I still, even to this day, I try, it's still a practice to not get emotionally wrapped up in things, but I've, really started to differentiate between this is a business thing and this is an emotional thing. Like when I'm talking to a client, there's nothing emotional behind it. It is purely business. Mm-hmm. Um, but to separate my identity completely from design, <laughs> I, I'm still working on that. Like, you know, oh, I, I am too. I'm just curious. <laughs> is, you know. um, over the past year, I've been lucky enough to make some really great friends, uh, locally who are, we're all, we all live like five minutes from each other. Mm-hmm. And so they've really helped me kind of push through that crisis. Um, and hanging out with them, I re- I've really started to realize like who I am as a person. Um, and still it's just like, it's weird to say because like I'm 24, so I'm not going to be the same person in a couple years. And so it's just, it's always going to be this constant question of like, well, what do I enjoy doing besides design? Like what at the end of my life, am I going to look back and be like, man, I'm really glad that I spent all those hours designing and sitting on my ass at the computer. Like, is that <laughs> what I'm going to be happy about? Or is it traveling? Like I went to Bali last year and I'm trying to get the girls that I went with to go somewhere else this year. Cause I love traveling. I love exploring. Sure. And so it's, yeah. you know, is traveling better for me. Like I love reading and that's how I kind of keep my time, um, separated from design. But yeah, I, I mean, even to this day, I still, I classify myself as a designer. I don't really say anything else. Like it's kind of, you know, conversations like these where people kind of have to pry up just like, what else do you do besides a design, Brittany? Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I'm still figuring that out myself. Gotcha. As you're figuring things out uh-huh. and and moving forward, it, I know you've started to kind of do more side projects that seem to be for yourself. Is that something that helps you take passion and emotion and focus it into something without with being able to be this is business for the work stuff um yeah <laughs> um it's this year has um so far this year i've really backtrack so last year i didn't do any personal work i just focused really on client work and you know looking back, I was like, why did I spend so much time like emotionally invested in other clients? Like I was still doing that. And so this year it's been a goal to take myself out of that. Um, and yeah, so the personal work, um, and any projects that I've been working on for myself have been just more explorations and figuring out like what feels good and just teaching myself my own skills. I feel like emotions are just so touchy for me still that I try not to think about it too much. Part of being human. (laughs) <laughs> it's the unfortunate side of being human. Um, but it's, uh, 
it's weird because I feel like I've had to like tiptoe around my emotions. I'm just like, well, maybe I'm not going to do this because if I do that, I might feel terrible. Um, so I really just focused instead of it being emotionally fulfilling, I've been focusing on more just like learning new skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As, as you continue with the business mm-hmm. and continue to grow, what are some of the things that you want to be able to focus on to not only grow your technical skills, but your interpersonal skills? Um, good question. What are some things I want to focus on? Um, hmm. Damn, he stumped me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think a lot of it is just, I really just want to learn. Like this year has, um, it's been really exciting to take the time to learn a new skill and apply it. You know, so I mentioned earlier that I wanted to get more into strategy of design and strategy behind branding. And that's something that I've really kind of like dived into doing more research. And, you know, you interviewed Chris Doe a couple of weeks ago and like watching the future a lot and learning new skills. Um, so yeah, I guess, I think as I move forward, I just really want to focus on learning more skills and focusing more on, um, communicating effectively and learning how to run a design business and not just be a designer. Cause there's a big difference. Um, I, I want to be good at what I do and I want to, I want it to always be easy for myself. And if I have a team, I want it to be too easy for them and for the client also. And so a lot of it's just taking the time to dive into the research and learning and practicing those skills and talking out with my friends and this and that. Gotcha. On the creative side of things, what's something that you you can either have a renewed interest in or a new interest in that you want to learn more about? Um, I've always been so fascinated with illustration. Like, and it's <laughs> sometimes I'll like, I, I feel weird saying that because I've never, this is going to sound weird, but I've never taken an art class before. And well, besides the shitty one that I had in high school, mm-hmm. um, I've never had any color theory, figure drawing, basic drawing classes. And so all of it has just been self-taught, just like practicing, watching Skillshare classes. And so on the creative side of things, I just, I want to learn more illustration. And like, I don't even know how to define that any further. I just want to play with shapes and colors and, you know, make up concepts of my own and dive in, dive into another world. And, you know, to kind of backtrack, that's what I love about reading is, you just dive into this entire world that somebody's created. And I, I, I want to practice that with illustration, you know, on my own time. Gotcha. Kind of, kind of wrapping things up here. What, anything exciting that you've got coming up in the immediate future that you can talk about? Um, let's see. I mean, I just landed a couple big projects, which are always exciting. Uh, I'm working on a, it's nice to get paid. <laughs> It is definitely nice to get paid. Uh, I'm working on a big, huge custom uh, lettered and illustrated poster for the library that I do a ton of work with for their summer program, Mm -hmm. which is going to be a lot of fun. 
Um, I'm helping a local business do a brand refresh. Um, I won't name any names, but I'm excited to dive on board with them and really help them streamline their business. Um, and then just personally, I'm probably going to really be working on some illustration skills and posting more personal projects throughout the year. Uh, I have an inkling. I really want to do travel based illustrations. Mm -hmm. Um, so maybe you'll see that from me. Depends on if I can get my ass to actually do it. Um, <laughs> um, but that's uh, that's in the future. You've put it out there. It's recorded for uh, posterity. So <laughs> no. you, you have something to hold you accountable now. Dang it. <laughs> cool. Well, Brittany, where can people find you online? You can find me uh, online on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, all at Just Curious Co. Uh, my website is justcurious.co, so everything's pretty consistent, easy to find. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty active on Instagram. I'll respond to Twitter eventually, uh, and Facebook's dead. So your best luck is to find me on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Brittany, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to chat with me tonight. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, this, this will actually go up after Creative South, but I'm looking forward to seeing you uh, yeah. in about a week and a half at Creative South. Oh my God, it's happening so fast. Or I guess it's officially two weeks from today. Is it? Damn. It's Thursday, so. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I'll be flying in on Thursday, so I'll see you then. Awesome. <laughs> well, in the meantime, go out and hug some necks. <laughs> Bye, guys. You can find out more about Brittany on Twitter at JustCuriousCo. And be sure to check out the links in the show notes for more ways to keep up with her. You can keep up with the podcast on Twitter and Facebook at CreativeSOPod. And follow Creative South on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CreativeSouthGA over at CreativeSouth.com. And I'm at Jay Frostholm on Dribble, Twitter, and Instagram. Jack Prince is giving Creative South podcast listeners 15% off all orders over $25 when you use promo code SOUTH15OFF at checkout. Visit jackprince.com for your next order of stickers, prints, or whatever you need today. For a limited time, new Skillshare customers can get their first three months for just 99 cents to get unlimited access to thousands of classes when you sign up at Skillshare.com using promo code CREATIVESOUTH. What are you waiting for? Start learning today. And... Remember, if you like the show, help support us over at patreon.com slash creative south. And if you like the Creative South podcast, head over to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play Music. Rate us and leave a review. This helps more people find the podcast and allows us to keep getting awesome guests. Now go out and hug some necks. <laughs> <laughs>